0: Welcome to episode 19, stop pulling your shoulders down and back, or back and down. I've been saying this for years, and I'm not going to stop until the world embraces it. Welcome to the Posture, Strength, and Mobility podcast. I'm Isaac Osborne, and I'm here to share with you tips, tricks, hacks, interesting musings, and much more in short, digestible episodes. To learn more about how you can improve your posture, strength, and mobility, check out the show notes for links. Onward with the show episode, I will break down why this is a hazard for the health of your shoulder joint, neck, shoulders, ribs, spine, and I will give you some corrective strategies to help change the pattern and some self-myofascial care to free up any restrictions. Let's break this down anatomically. I believe that if you understand better what's going on, then you have a better chance of changing the pattern yourself. I have here a representation of what's called a thoracic outlet. And we have, uh, in the thoracic outlet, we have nerves, arteries, and veins that come out of the neck, underneath the clavicle, and down the arm. It's one of the things that we're representing. So red is representing the arterial flow, blue is representing the venous flow, and yellow is representing the nerves that go down the arm. Let's talk about shoulder positioning. The way that I've developed this model or I place this model is the only place that is attached to here, and it's with a, this rubbery material that is attaching to the sternum from the on the clavicle. it's the only place on the body where the bone attaches uh, on the shoulder the whole shoulder complex is attaching to the body or bony part of the body It's the only joint. The rest is is determined by muscular function and position of the rib cage so think of it this way that the the shoulder essentially should float on top of the rib cage and the rib cage is essentially its structure so rib cage position is incredibly important for shoulder health shoulder function shoulder stability and its positioning so if your rib cage is not in the right position and i.e. breathing, rib stabilization, w- where your ribs are in space, how much space you have in between your ribs. If those aren't in the right position, one, your spine is not going to be in the right position. Two, your neck's not going to be in p- position. And three, your shoulder is not going to be in the right position. It's not going to have the proper position and health. So when we look at the body from, say, the side here, ideally the shoulder should be kind of hanging in this position right here. And one of the main reasons why is if you look at the nerves, veins, and arteries that we have right here, they're not being compressed by this bone here, the clavicle or the collarbone. And the more the shoulder drops down towards the ground, the more compression you're going to get on the nerve, uh, venous, and arterial flow. That's an issue just by itself. Then what we take into consideration is, okay, when that shoulder drops down, right? If you look at this position here and where the the inside edge of the scapula, we'll call the medial edge of of the, the blade of the scapula and how much spacing it has in between the spine. There's muscles that help stabilize the shoulder blade in this position what they're called rhomboids and they're called the trap muscle. These muscles help stabilize the shoulder in this position. So if, and their fibers, they, especially the upper fibers, they go in this direction that they go at an angle. So you can imagine for a second, as soon as that shoulder drops down and it kind of rounds forward off the back, all those fibers become elongated. And with those fibers elongated, those, that muscle essentially isn't really working to its full capacity. In fact, it's, it could even be atrophied at, this, at that point. Once that happens, the shoulder joint itself becomes compromised. And with that shoulder joint being compromised, as you pull down, what happens is this space between, between this bone here called the humerus and this is called uh, the acromion clavicular joint or the acromion right here, that space narrows. And guess what? Tendon goes through there the tendon that goes through there is a muscle called the supraspinatus. And the supraspinatus is the most common tendon that is severed in rotator cuff injuries. So when people have a rotator cuff tear, that is the tendon that is typically the most compromised that is severed. On a statistics basis, that's the one that people get the surgery the most. of. Now think about that for a second. Now if the shoulder's going down, and it's compressing. And that space is getting more and more narrow in that between the chromium and the humerus here. That space is getting more and more narrow. So what you have happening there, anytime you have shoulder movement and that shoulder is locked in that place, you're getting rubbing on that, on that tendon. Now, I'm not saying all rotator cuff injuries are, are from this reason. This is a major contributor and I have yet to see anybody that has a rotator cuff issue in my practice personally that has a rotator cuff issue that they don't have some kind of compression going on in this joint right here, especially the top spacing of the joint, meaning their shoulder blade doesn't stabilize properly. Their rib cage doesn't stabilize properly. So this whole joint mechanics is completely off and they're going to have major issues with that. the next thing that is going on when the shoulder drops down is that the, the bone itself, the joint of this bone, called the humerus, right? Actually starts getting pulled down. And the, the glenohumeral joint is a very shallow joint, meaning it doesn't have a lot of, a lot of um, cupping to it. It's, it's, it's very shallow. So the shoulder actually can dislocate very easily. And if you're watching this, this position as I move the joint here, look how look how easily it actually comes out of the joint. So the more it gets pulled down, the more that joint gets pulled down by the lats. The lats end up being a muscle that is st- that kind of pulls that joint out, and like slightly dislocates that joint, especially if you're pulling your shoulders down. If you're pulling your shoulders down like this, and what I'm demonstrating right now is that how my shoulder is rounding as I pull that shoulder down, and then I pull it back. And notice that my elbow goes back as I try to pull it back. I'm not getting a true scapular, what's called retraction. And so I'm pulling down and I'm pulling back. And you can look here, as I pull this bone, it gets, it gets pulled more out of the joint as, as that movement happens. And as that movement happens, then the, the blade itself gets pulled in this direction of this ro- what's called a downward rotation. The more downward rotation you have, then you try to move the shoulder. And again, you're going to get pinching in that acromium and humerus area, spacing in there, AC joint area, if you will. The movement cue that is said by so many people out there, move your shoulders back and down or pull them back and down or down and back. And what I want you to notice is when I do that movement, what happens to my rib cage, right? So if I go down and back, notice that it presses my chest out, right? My, my chest goes out and down and back. So what ends up happening is this point in my spine, which is around right here on the skeleton, we're talking about T uh, 12. T11, T10, maybe even into L1, that area becomes hyperextended. And that hyperextension of the spine ends up having an effect on the upper rib cage. So if I pull my shoulders down and back, what ends up happening is, one, we have that clavicle compression going on in the rib cage. Two, what ends up happening is these first three ribs end up getting compressed here. So what it does is it creates a lot more stress on my neck and all the muscles in the front of my neck really start to start to contract and, and become more of an isometric, constant contraction in that area. So down and back creates a lot of tension in there. Number one, my rib cage. And I'm starting, even as I demonstrate this, I'm getting somewhat of a lat cramp. So what ends up happening, you're pulling down and back, your rib cage is getting pushed forward, and that pushing forward of the ribcage then hyperextends that T11, 12, L1 area of the spine. So when that happens, your ribcage locks up and you get less function into the respiratory diaphragm. So then your breathing is compromised. So not, not only is your blood flow compromised to your arms, you've created a lot of stiffness and tension in the neck by pulling the shoulders back and down you've compromised the glenohumeral joint with the ac joint pinching potentially pinching onto the supraspinatus muscle here then you're getting a hyperextension in the spine back in this in this area t 11 to 12 the l1 and you're getting a tightening in the front of the ribcage which doesn't allow expansion for the ribs in this sideways motion here. Because when we breathe, we should have have pressure that goes into the front, pressure that goes into the side, pressure that goes into the back. So when you do that and you have that hyperextension, you try to use the respiratory diaphragm, it doesn't have anything to expand into. And if that muscle can't contract and the ribs don't open, then you don't have respiratory diaphragm function. If you don't have respiratory diaphragm function, Then you don't have proper oxygen, carbon dioxide mixtures going in the body. Pretty bad issue, right? This is why so many people have such issues with their shoulders and such poor range of motion in the shoulders. And for instance, look at this for a second. If if we go like this, I'm going to bring the skeleton's arm over into what's called a flexion movement. So the arm is going over the head. Look what happens if I'm pulling this shoulder down. As I try to bring the arm up like this, I get a pinching again onto that AC joint because the shoulder blade itself should rotate like so as the arm comes up. And you see how much more space there is in the joint right here as the arm goes over the head. So the scapular mobility as the shoulders go up and elevate, is proper wah, proper, um, proper rotation and, and range of motion in the shoulder. So if you're holding and pulling your shoulder down as, you, as you're lifting your arm over your head, then you're actually causing damage and it, it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like a game of tug-of-war. If I'm pulling down as I'm trying to bring my arm up over my head, then I'm working against my own body and my own joints and it's causing a lot of compression on the joints. So one of the tests you can do is, is if you bring your hands over your head like this, can you touch your ears? Can your arms touch your ears? That, that's, that's a direct reflection of scapular mobility. Now, let me address something that's really important. People say, you know, they, they demonstrate this. They, they, say, they say to people, oh, pull your shoulders down and back because everyone's got their shoulders to their ears. That's not true. No, it, it's not, it's, that's not a regular occurrence. It's, and if you watch for a second, they say, oh, shrugging your shoulders bad for your neck and so forth. Well, watch me shrug my shoulders here for a second. I'm going to move from the side. And so this is the natural alignment of, of my shoulders and I shrug like this. Now, notice that, I'm putting my finger on the front of my ribcage. If I shrug my shoulders like this, look what's happening to my ribs. They're going down. What good is that? So I, I agree with those people. If you're shrugging your shoulders like that, absolutely, that sucks. That's totally bad. However, watching this position, if I position my ribcage correctly and I'm not hyperextending my my ribcage forward, I'm just p- positioning a nice expansion into my ribcage. I shrug this way. Look how my shoulders and my ribcage move vertically at the same time. So think about that with breathing for a second. If if my shoulders are moving with my ribcage when I take a breath, that means I'm getting expansion in the first, second, third ribs, all the ribs. How much more volume of air are you going to get? And when you those ribs open up in the bottom you're getting a full contraction of the respiratory diaphragm. That's a very, very large muscle. And if you're only using parts of that respiratory diaphragm because the rib cage is stuck in in that position that I was talking about, you're not getting that much oxygen. You're not getting that much function throughout the entire ribs. Your body is not free and mobile. So the ribs, I I like to say that the, the shoulders and the ribs move together. They should move together. So if Back to that, what I, was, what I was talking about, where people say, oh, don't shrug your shoulder because it, it messes up your neck. Uh, well, yeah, if your rib cage is going down and you're not allowing the rib cage to move with your shoulders, then absolutely, I absolutely agree. However, the, the shrugging position with the rib cage in the right position, there is no danger to the neck. In fact, in fact, it actually decompresses the neck. And I'll tell you exactly why. So there's a giant ligament on the back of the neck right here. It's called the nuchal ligament. It's part of this very large ligament that goes down the entire spine, but they name it from the head to C, uh, C7, T1-ish, you know, T2-ish area, as what's called the nuchal ligament. Now what's very, very interesting about the nuchal ligament is that it's the tendon of the upper trap. So for instance, think of it as, think of it as like a sail and the head position, which is typically dictated by the rib cage position. If that position of the head is moved forward, right? The sail then becomes wrinkled. It becomes less taut. And with that sail less taut and wrinkled, Sure, if you raise those shoulders and contract those upper traps, it's going to compress the neck. However, with the right rib cage position, in the right neck position, when you raise those shoulders towards your ears, and that muscle, which is the trap easiest muscle, is on the back of the shoulder and the back of the neck, and it's, it's one of its main tendons is, this, is the nuchal ligament, it actually pulls on that ligament and decompresses the neck. I've helped a lot of people get out of carpal tunnel syndrome, thoracic outlet syndrome, herniated discs, and compression in the neck for this very reason, using this type of mechanics. There's specific breathing patterns that you need to do. There's specific rib cage movements that you need to learn to be able to position your neck properly. So when this movement of shrugging your shoulders Happens, you're actually decompressing the neck and elongating the neck, making these cervical vertebra in your neck float and decompress. The next time you hear someone say, "Bring your shoulders back and down," think alarm bells in your head because it's doing all that damage or potential damage to your shoulder joint, to your neck, to your breathing, to your rib cage, to the arm position, to the muscles that are actually stabilizing your shoulder. So when you go down and back, you're not getting the full proper contraction of the trap and upper rhomboids either, because of the the way that the fibers are oriented on the shoulder. Let's give you some strategies that you can use to help getting yourself out of this situation. Okay, so when you have a, a shoulder that is depressed and rounded forward, What you see here from the side is you can see the shoulder blade, how it's sticking out, as opposed to if I bring the shoulder up and back, this becomes more flat with the back. And this is key. This is a key component because you're going to have to feel for this. You're going to have to experiment with this and feel for this. This is all part of it because there's part of our nervous system what's called proprioception. Your body essentially, what proprioception is, is it's, your body knowing where it is in space. So my hands, my feet, my legs, my head, everything. And once we get into uh, positional patterns for long periods of time, the body tends to kind of forget or doesn't think those areas are part of its range of motion. So you're going to have to reestablish this feeling in your body. So I have my feet, they're pointing straight ahead. My heels are about, two inches away from the wall. My butt's against the wall. My upper back is against the wall. And if you can place your head against the wall, great. If you can't, don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, My low back in this position will not touch the wall at all the entire time. Okay. So what I want you to do, essentially, these are, are, we could call them shoulder rolls, shoulder squares, doesn't really matter. The biggest point here for you is to try to start feeling the surface area of your of your back because if you don't become aware of the surface area of your back you're not going to be able to really find your shoulder position okay so what i want you to think about is going going feeling first take your shoulders kind of forward so we're we're rounding the, the shoulders forward so we have to we have to establish where that range of motion is first okay so And you feel your back, okay? I don't feel my shoulder blades on the wall at all at this point in time, but I'm taking my shoulders forward. And you can see, as I take my shoulders forward, my rib cage slightly compresses. Now, if you let your arms hang, don't bring your elbows to the wall. Don't let your elbows touch the wall. Let them hang off your shoulders. Because if your elbows touch the wall, if if you're watching it in the video, my shoulder rounds forward. So the more I bring my elbows back, the more rounding it causes in the shoulder. And you can even feel here on the front the tension it creates. So you, the more you bring that, shoulder, that elbow back, the more tension it creates here in the pec, in the front, underneath the clavicle, underneath the sh- uh, collarbone. So number one, don't let the elbows touch the wall. Bring the elbows away from the wall. Number two, bring the shoulders slightly up and then, and then press them back. Do you feel the flatness of those shoulder blades on the wall? Now let's play with the rib cage. So kind of pull your belly button back, take a deep breath and try to expand your ribs from the bottom to the top. So try to get more expansion in the lower portion of your ribs as you're holding the shoulders up and back and the shoulder blades are flat against the wall. Take a deep breath, hold it and you'll feel potentially that your shoulders got a little bit flatter against the wall. You don't have to really press really hard. We're just we're just exploring space here. We're exploring how it feels to have those shoulders against the wall. And what I want you to do is find that space and see if you can hold your rib cage in that position while you breathe. So it's a, it's it's that expansion of the rib cage that we're creating. Opening of the rib cage as you hold your shoulders there, chin down, head back, and touch the wall if you can. If it's too much strain, or you feel your chest really pop out as you push your your head against the wall, that's not going to be very good for you because that's going to cause that hyperextension in the spine. So again, so think shoulders up and back, touching the wall, deep breath, hold it there, feel that flatness against your back, feel the opening in the chest. Exhale, but try to hold the, those ribs open as you exhale. Don't push the air out. Just allow the air to, to release. And then another deep breath. Big breath. Hold it in that position. Arms are hanging. Shoulders still against the wall. And then exhale. Release everything. Let the shoulders fall forward. Let Feel how they move away from the wall. And then again, you can bring them up, and back first, so you feel that flatness against the wall. Inhale into the rib cage. Feel that opening of the rib cage. Your rib cage is going vertical, right? Chin down, rib cage is going vertical up towards the ceiling. Shoulders are up and back, allowing that space underneath the clavicle, the, the, the collarbones, to open up while you hold your shoulder blades here. And then exhale, let them off. So what we're we're doing is, is we're establishing a recognition of your breath and shoulder position. So think about that for a second. Your shoulders coming up and back, you're providing space for those upper three ribs to expand and you're focusing on expansion of the lower ribs, especially in a sideways direction or lateral direction. Get those ribs to move laterally. And to do that, you have to pull the belly button back as you inhale those ribs should move open. And then while you're holding the shoulder blades up and back, you should feel contraction in the back of your neck, up here, and in this upper spine area. You should feel the shoulders up and back and slightly pinch. But don't pinch really hard, because then that's gonna kind of push the shoulder and hyperextend the spine. There's a fine line in there that you need to lift. So if I demonstrate this from the side view, I round my shoulders and round my back, okay. That's one range of motion direction. If I really pinch and push my, my rib cage forward, that's the other extreme, the opposite of that range of motion, right? We want to live in between. That's balance, that's posture. Is your body knowing the extremes of those range of motions? It's not about living in, 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 in either extreme, it's your body being able to. Change its position when needed, because there's a time for us to kind of round the shoulders forward, right? Crunch the back and maybe you're going underneath something, or maybe there's a time to really hyperextend because you're reaching for something or like whoa, you're you're falling backwards and that 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 gets you to retain your balance. You should be able to do all that range of motion. And if your body knows both extremes, then your body knows where to live in between the two. And that's where we have to establish this. So if you need to go ahead and push your rib cage really far forward and then really round your back again. And feel what your spine feels like. It feels like against the wall when you do this. Okay. So there is no right position. It's a, It's establishing that there is a right position. It's what I'm talking about, living in that balance in between those two extreme range of motions. Getting your body to learn where it is in space is the most important thing because you're going to use all those ranges of motion at some point in time in your day and your life. And you need to have access to them. But getting trapped in a certain movement trapped in rounded shoulders getting trapped with hyperextended spine is what people tend to do they get trapped in those movements and then their body forgets how to do the opposite one and then that's how their posture gets so fucked up one of the most important areas to release of there's three major component areas but i'm going to give you one of the most important areas to release is the clavicle and Releasing the clavicle and the front, of the front of the ribs and the front of the shoulder is really, really important to, re- to release when you're in this type of situation, when you have that rounded shoulders or you're pulling your shoulders back and down all the time. So we're going to release that with uh, self-myofascial release. I'm using the integrator massage gun. I'm using the large one. I'm using the fork attachment here. And what we're going to do is I'm going to hold it in my right hand. I'm going to release my left side. And I'm taking my left ankle crossing it over my right knee, twisting the left side of my pelvis to the right. So it puts my upper body into this twist position. Why I'm doing that is because it opens up the pec a little bit more uh, than it it would be if I was on my back. Now, if this is extremely tight and painful for you uh, in this position, then I would just do it with your knees bent, lying on your back like this. But this gives a little extra stretch into the myofascia of the pecs. And it kind of actually causes the rib cage to rotate. And if you really let your shoulder kind of drop towards the ground, it opens up and decreases the rounding in the shoulder. It kind of creates this angle to where it helps let that go. Then uh, you take the massage gun and you work. Go ahead and find where your, your collarbone is And just below the collarbone, like really, like literally, like next to the bone, that's the area that you're gonna run along. It's not a large area. It's like three, you know, four or five inches, depending on the size of your shoulders. It's it's a it's a small area. So I like I like using the fork attachment because the fork attachment allows for a little bit more pinpointed into that area. So what I like to do is like I like to kind of like hook it right underneath and I don't have the massage gun on now otherwise it's going to it's going to mess up the mic. And, and then I just hang out there. I'm not pressing really hard into that area because because most people it's very sensitive in this area because they hold and compress this area for all day long every day. So it can be really really sensitive on people. And you don't need to kill the tissue. It's the vibration that and the percussive nature of of the massage gun that really helps open that area up. So you just go back and forth just underneath the clavicle there. And you, just, you can hold it in one spot for a minute or two and just kind of hold the massage gun, balance it on there. You let it, let its own weight kind of establish itself in that position. And then just move over to the next spot and then move over to the next spot. And then kind of go back and forth a few times for a couple minutes and then switch sides and do the other side. That can really help out and free up rounding in the shoulders and start decompressing decompressing that shoulder joint. Follow links in the show notes and get access to my membership program that has over 100 classes in there, uh, corrective exercises. I can coach you into which class to do. And also check out the show notes for links for purchase of the integrator. You get access to full protocols of shoulders, hips, backs, everything that's, that, that I have in there. I'm constantly adding routines in there. And um, let me know what you think. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining me for this episode. If you liked it, please subscribe and leave a positive review so others may find it and get help too. Check out the show notes for links on how to win a mini integrator massage gun, posture strength and mobility classes that focus on corrective exercises or self myofascial release protocols for neck pain, back pain, knee pain, plantar fasciitis and much more with my massage gun, the integrator. Until next time, keep exploring your body and stay curious.